Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. One of the things, the mistakes I think people make is they come to church to get something. I think if you change your perspective of why you come into a building is to give someone something. It changes everything because you'll never leave disappointed then. If you come into a building and you're, you're like, I'm going to church, to a building, and I'm going to give my Savior and Lord all of my praise and all of my worship, you cannot leave here disappointed. Amen? Isn't that good? I just love that. Did I finish my last statement? I don't know. I'm still food coma. You know what's so interesting to me is that you eat a huge Thanksgiving dinner. You eat, you know, and you eat until you're going to explode and like your head's ringing and all that. And then like you're full and you're like, oh, I can never eat another thing until two hours later. And then you're eating again, right? And then like 30 minutes after you're eating, saying you're never going to eat anything again, you're eating dessert, Right? Isn't that crazy? <sighs> so nuts. So Pastor Bob shot a deer. Everybody heard of that last week. He got a deer, and he is going to mount that head, you know, how they do. And he said he's going to put it in his office so that everybody can see it. Isn't that great? He wanted to hang it at the house, and I said, but honey, nobody will see it there. Everybody can see it here, right? Everybody say amen. Amen, Pastor Bob. Please hang your deer head in your office. I gave him two options, the garage or your office at the church. <laughs> so I don't think he... That's okay, David. It's okay. Thanks for your help, but that's all right. We'll do one and we'll hang it right there in the office. It'll be great. <laughs> Isn't that good? I had my, my mom and my sister and her boyfriend were up here. They drove 23 hours. My mom is 82 years old. She's kind of spunky like you, Barbara. I just met you today, not even five minutes, and I think you're probably pretty spunky like she is. She got in a car and drove, well, she didn't drive, but she, um, she had open heart surgery two years ago and has a new shoulder and a new knees, I'm like, man, she's like bionic woman, you know. That woman, I'm not kidding you. I'll show you a picture afterwards. She has no wrinkles. None. I don't know what she uses. Vaseline or I don't know what it is. But anyways, I love my mama. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys want to send her a letter and, you know, say, what are you doing? No, I'm kidding. But anyways, it was great having her. They got here last Sunday and they were here for the week, just left this morning. And goodbyes are always hard. My mom, like, starts crying three days before, you know, because it's, you know, she's got, we, she's got seven, that's nine. She's got nine kids. I'm number seven. Isn't that crazy? Am I seven? I am eight. I'm number eight. Sorry, wait a minute. It didn't sound right. I'm like, hey, I'm number eight. Guess what I am on the enneagram? Eight. Hey, guess what number eight is? New beginnings. Hey, 
That's crazy. Okay, I'm just getting all this revelation. Okay, anyways, I'm going to get going with my message. You guys doing okay? Everybody had a good Thanksgiving, though, ate lots of food. How many had the traditional turkey? How many did not have the traditional turkey? We had Cajun food, baby. So one thing, I'm from Louisiana. I am Cajun to the core. I don't sound like it, but I eat like it. I like, I like a little bit of food with my pepper. And I would not have a turkey because we couldn't deep fry it. It's hard to deep fry a turkey here in the winter unless you do it in your garage. And you should never deep fry a turkey in your garage. You guys ever watch the YouTube videos on how to not deep fry a turkey? You should watch those. They're hilarious. People try it in their living room. That's people from the north that do that. People from the south, we know how it goes down. We know how to deep fry turkey. We know how to deep fry everything down south. You just batter it and fry it, and it's good. You know? They brought me some boudin. You guys know what boudin is? You guys know what boudin is? I should bring some next week, let you guys try it. It's a Cajun sausage. I don't know what it's stuffed with. I don't want to know what it's stuffed with. Because if I know what it's stuffed with, I'll probably never eat it again. But it's really good. It's delicious. All right, anyways, done talking about food. So, all right, you guys ready? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in a building together as your church, to come and give you worship, to come and give you praise, to focus on you, to give you all the glory that you deserve. Jesus, you're worth it, you're worthy, and we love you and adore you. And we give you the next few minutes. Come and do what you want to do. We surrender fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> do you guys know that you are the church? Do you know that the enemy's biggest fear is that the church will actually come into who she is? Do you know what makes the enemy take flight is when the church actually understands her identity and her authority and actually walks in it? The only way the church can be defeated is if we don't come into alignment with our identity and authority. Because he already paid the price for us to be victorious. Amen? It's our responsibility if we're going to walk in that or not. It's not his because he's already done it. Isn't that amazing? Is your name Josh? Yeah, okay. Well, I knew I was... Read Joshua 1 through 9. 1, Joshua 1, 1 through 9. You got great kids, by the way. You're welcome. I always have my eye on them if they don't know it. I love kids. I've got a couple of them, and I've got a chihuahua, and his name is Simba. And Simba loves to play fetch for hours and hours. My mom would sit in, my mom sits in a rocking chair. She loves to rock. She's rocked ever since I was this high. And um, so she's rocking and she's trying to bend down to pick up the ball because Simba would come and drop the ball at her feet, you know, and she, you'd hear this eh, groaning because she's trying to bend over to pick up the ball and play fetch. So Simba misses his grandma, but anyways, maybe she'll come back. Anyways, where was I? I'm going to do a lot, a lot of rabbit trails tonight, probably. Okay, you're the church. 
And this is a word for the church. Can I give you a word for the church? That's you. Say, I'm the church. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. We can just mic drop and go home. What is that saying? Arise from the depression. See, Bobby Connor, when he was here, he said this. He said that the enemy wants to wear out the saints. How many are a saint? Raise your hand if you're a saint. If you love Jesus, you're a saint. You're not a sinner. You're a saint, saved by grace, ready to take on the enemy and take ground. I don't know about you, but I think it's time that you get sick and tired of the enemy stealing from you. Some of us have just sat back and allowed him to come in and steal the things that God has given us. And it's time that we get mad enough at the right thing, which isn't your neighbor, even though they may let their dog come in your yard and, you know, do their business and not clean it up. My dogs don't do that. But it's time to get mad at the right thing and take back what the enemy has stolen. Do you know that God is not going to take it back for you? You because he's given you all authority. Say all authority. He's given you all authority. All the authority that God gave Jesus, he gave you. The reason we don't see things happening is because we're not walking in the authority that he's given me. Because I'm too busy complaining about the things that I've lost. Arise and shine because your light has come and his glory is risen upon you. You're the church, you're glorious, you're victorious, you have everything that you need. The only thing that I would like to empower you with tonight, I'm not going to encourage you because if I encourage you, I got to do it all the time. But when I empower you, I give you the authority to make it better. Amen? It's time to rise and shine, to understand who you are, to understand what God has given you so you can take back what the enemy has stolen. And now I want to empower you to do one thing. Can I tell you what it is? Yes, I'll tell you what it is. <sighs> know who you are. The only way you can know who you are is if you know who he is. Peter and Paul, no, not Peter and Paul. That's a band, right? And Mary? Peter, Paul, and Mary. That's pretty original. They're probably Catholic. I don't know. I was Catholic. Nothing wrong with that. I was, I was very I was Catholic. It was great. What, what was I talking about now? Oh, man. Peter and Jesus, yes. In Matthew 16, Peter and Jesus have an encounter. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says this, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, you are the one. Remember that whole thing? Matthew 16, write it down and read it. So you know I'm telling the truth. Read it in the message translation because that's a really good translation for that. So Peter has this, re this revelation of who Jesus is. And then Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, now that you know who you are, now I can tell you, no, now that you know who I am, now I can tell you who you are. See, Pete, once we know who Jesus is, listen, then we can understand who we are. Do you know that you're made in the image of Christ? That just absolutely is insane. That you are made in the image of Christ. 
And he gives, us, he gives you every single tool that you need to live victorious. I think it's time that the church gets out of this depression right here. It says, from the depression in which your circumstances have kept you in. It's time that we shake off the dust of the world, quit wallowing, and, you know, my, my dog sometime, I, I like Simba. I should put a picture up there for you. He's really cute. But anyways, you know, once your kids grow up and leave home, you get a dog, and they become your baby. So, yeah. Anyway, sometimes Simba will go outside, and he rolls on the grass, you know, and wallows and rolls in all the, I don't even know, sometimes he comes in, he doesn't smell too good because I don't know what he rolled on, right? Sometimes that's Christians. We're rolling on poo when we should arise from the depression that their circumstances have kept us in. You guys understand? Arise, that means we change our position. That means we quit focusing on the things. I love what Carissa said. Listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not get freed from the fire. But what they had was an encounter in the fire. Some of us are complaining about the fire and we're missing the encounter that we can have in the fire. It's up to you what you focus on. Remember last week I talked about 1 Samuel 17. I talked about David and Goliath. Remember David and Goliath? David's a little shepherd boy. Goliath is the big dude. So David is in the field. Remember, he's keeping watch over his flock, you know, killing bear, killing lion, doing all these crazy things with the sheep. Remember that? Well, his brothers are in the army, and they are fighting the Philistines. Say Philistines. They're the enemy. Say enemy. They're fighting the enemy. Forty days, say 40 days. Forty days, Goliath comes out every day for 40 days, and he curses and he mocks and he taunts the, the Israelites. For 40 days, he comes out, and that's what he does. So David's in the fields watching his sheep, feeding the sheep, you know. Jesse, which is David's dad, says, hey, David, I need you to go bring some food to your brothers because they're probably hungry. But really what Jesse was saying is, hey, go be a spy and tell me what's, how things are going. And the food was just the thing to get him there. Okay. So David goes where they're fighting. You guys remember this? Goes where they're fighting. And David is just doing his business. I think he's being nosy, trying to figure out what's going on. And David hears the same thing that Goliath has been saying for 40 days. What the words that the giant was saying to the, to the Israelites, they were hiding in fear. You guys tracking with me? David hears the same words that brought fear, say fear, that brought fear to the army, it makes David mad. He's like, what are you guys doing? Are you letting this guy? David didn't even call him a giant. David called him an uncircumcised Philistine. Didn't even look at him as a, as a giant. He's like, why are you allowing him to curse our God? Why don't you go in there and take him? You guys remember, read the story. It's an amazing story. David, little shepherd boy, these guys are already trained. They got their armor, and they're hiding. You guys imagine that? When you read the Bible, do you imagine those kind of things? Sometimes we overlook familiar stories, and we miss some really cool things. 
So David's like, I'll take this guy. He ain't going to talk about my God anymore. See, David was confident in who he was. David knew who he was because he knew who his God was. And I love it in verse, let me read it to you so I get it right. You guys can turn to 1 Samuel. We'll make this a legal meeting so we can read from the Bible. You love your Bible. You guys got to love your Bible. You guys love your Bible? You should read your Bible every day. We take our vitamins. We take our, our prescriptions. We should take this every day, right? David says this. So David, remember? David, little guy, big guy. David looks at the Philistine and he says this. He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. I love that. We should tattoo that every, all over us. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. The same thing that this giant was saying to the army brought fear to them. But the, thing, the same thing that he spoke made David angry. I think it's time that the church becomes angry at the enemy accusing our God of things that he doesn't do. You guys tracking with me? It's time that we take a stand. It's time that we arise from this depression, from this oppression, from this thing that the world, that all of this stuff around us has brought on the church. It's time that we shake it off. It's time that we take our position as the church, as the body of Christ, as sons and daughters of God, understanding my identity, understanding my authority. Do we understand that the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives, he makes his home right here in me. Say in me. The spirit that raised Jesus that was dead, raised him up from the dead, that same spirit that happened at Pentecost, remember that one? In Acts chapter 2, when everybody thought everybody was drunk and they spoke, in, remember that? Acts chapter 2, write it down so you can read it, so you know what I'm talking about. Acts, that spirit that fell has his dwelling place inside of me, inside of you. Jesus says, I give you all authority to live your life in abundance. Amen? But what you focus on, you give power to. And I believe for too long, the church has been focused on the wrong things. We've been focused on, not listen to me, don't get me wrong. We need to be involved in the world. We need to be involved in politics. We need to be involved in the school things. How many, I, I don't know how many have tried for school board and Nancy Keeler is like, you want to know anything about anything? You talk to her. She knows everything about all of it. Serious. We need to get involved in those things. But when those things become a folk, listen, when we magnify the problem above God, then that problem has glory. Nothing that is going on in the world is bigger than our God. You guys get that? And when we, see, David understood who his God was because he knew that God was with him 
because God was with him in the secret place, in the, in the fields, killing the bear and the lion. God was with him. So he knew, he didn't even ask God, should I kill that uncircumcised Philistine? I need to fast for 40 days before I, no. He knew because it was the enemy. We don't have to ask God if we can take off the head of the enemy. He wants you to take back your territory. He wants you to take back the things that God has promised you. You guys believe that? Yes, I do. All right, you guys doing okay? There's another story I want to read you. You guys ready? In Numbers 13, Numbers 13, that's in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy. I think it's Numbers, or is it Numbers, Deuteronomy? I don't know. It's anywhere. Ask that guy right there. He knows everything. Numbers 13, 25. I love this story. You know the Old Testament has the best stories ever. You don't have to read, like, novels and stuff like that because this is, like, way better than that. All right, Numbers 13. You guys ready? Let me just give you just a little bit of little background here. Moses was told by God, okay, the Israelites were in Egypt and they were in bondage. Say bondage. So Moses went in there, took them out of Egypt. Remember the Red Sea? Part of the Red Sea, all of that. Okay, so God promised these people a promised land. He says, I'm going to take you out of bondage and I'm giving you a land. And the land isn't just a land. It's a land that is in abundance and you have provision always. Right? A land flowing with milk and honey. God said that to Mo. That's your land. You're going to take them there. Okay? So now God is saying, okay, send in scouts to go check out the land. God says, okay, Moses, send 12 spies into the land for how many days? Just take a guess. 40 days. Isn't that something? 40 days, the Goliath. 40 days. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, so for 40 days, they go into the land, and they're scouting out the land. Okay? Read it. That's the beginning of Numbers 13. I'm going to pick it up right here. You guys ready? After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh, in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that what they had seen and showed them, what they had seen and they showed them the fruit. They said the fruit they had to actually carry on sticks. Can you imagine going to Aldi, grabbing grape with sticks and, hey, honey, let's go, carrying all this. Can you imagine that? That'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> You're crazy. Okay, yeah. Anyways, that's how big the fruit was. So they came back and they showed him the fruit that they had gotten from the land. So this was, listen, this was their report to Moses. What did they just come in with? They showed him the fruit of the land. They're like, Moses, you're right. Here's the fruit of the land. It's ginormous. We had to carry two people. It was amazing. Exactly like God said. It was the land flowing with milk and honey and the fruit was amazing. Right? That's what they said. But... It's a dang butt again. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. There's them giants again. The descendants of, of Anak, 
The Amalekites live in the Negev. Anyways, all of the Jebusites, all of the Ites, that's all the enemies. Verse 30 says this, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can conquer it. Isn't that interesting how they all go in, all 12 of them go into the land. They all come back with the fruit. They're like, yes, look at this. And then you got 10 of them that decide, hey, but wait a minute. There's giants there. And if you read down a little farther, they even take it a step farther. They compared themselves to the giants. They decided, listen, this is incredible. They decided that they were inadequate and too small. We can't go in there. We'd rather stay in the wilderness because we're inadequate and we're too small than to go and take what God is telling us that we can take. You think that God forgot that there were giants in the promised land? Do you think that God went, oh, dang it, guys, I forgot. I forgot to tell you, there's giants there, but don't worry, you guys got this. No. What he wanted them to see was, guys, you got this. I'm here to tell you, church, you've got this. Listen, any trial that you go through, any fire that you're thrown in, there's another in the fire with you. Any, any, there's always opposition. When you get, a, how many in here have ever gotten a word from God? Gotten a word or a promise from God? And then how many of you, there was opposition that came almost immediately? Yes. And how many of you got discouraged because of that? Yes but I'm here to bring you some good news. If opposition comes, then you know it was from God. Listen, that's exciting. Like, yeah, come on, bring it. Jesus says this, that you're going to have trials. You're going to have things happen because the enemy is a stinker. And I'm using a nice word. And his job is to kill, steal, and destroy you. You know why? Because what you're doing and what you're experiencing is something that he wanted. And God gave it to us. So he's a little bit ticked off at you. But I'm here to tell you tonight that everything that you need to get what God has promised you is in you. We have to use it. All authority Everything has been given to you to take the land that God has promised you. So are you going to sit on the sidelines and whine and complain about the opposition that you're going through? Or are we going to look at the opposition and say, oh yeah, we're on the right track, baby. If there's no opposition, then it probably isn't God. We try to pray the storms away. And Jesus is like, I want you to walk on the waves. We want to pray the fire away. And he's like, I want to visit you in the fire. He's like, come on, I'm giving you this promised land, but God, there's giants in there. I can't go in there. They're bigger than me. And he's like, what giants? Here's the abundance I've promised you. Get your sling and your stones and kill that giant because God has already conquered them for you. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. 
He's already done it for us. But it's time for the church to arise out of that state, out of that depression, out of that, that thing, that oppression. You guys feel that sometime? That the world is like through a blanket on things. But God is moving and I don't want to miss it. Because if we're sitting and we're focused on the things that we don't have or we're focused on the oppression or we're focused on the things of the world, we're going to miss what he's doing. I believe that. Here's some good scripture for you. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making you more than an overcomer. More than a conqueror. Not just, a over, not just an overcomer, but a conqueror. That's you. Say, that's me. That's me. That's you. 1 John 5, 4 through 4. Uh, four, through four. Guys, try that one. 4 through 5. It says this, for every child of God, are you a child of God? Okay, this is for you. Say, it's for me. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. If you are a child of God, then you already have won. Right? Why do we have to go through this stuff? Because it makes, it produces character, it produces things inside of us is what we need these things for. How many in here go to the gym? How many in here want to go to the gym? Yeah. It's overrated, but it's good for you. I thought I should do four days this week because I ate four days worth of way too much stuff. Why did I bring that up? Because when you, yes, that's why. When you go to the gym and you're work, you, know, you walk on the treadmill for the first time in like you know, 50 years and you're walking on the treadmill and you feel like you're going to pass out because you're, you know, like your heart's, you know, right? The first time you're like, feel like you're going you're gonna to die and, and pass out. And then you do like leg day. Anybody in here ever do leg day? I hate leg day. It's the worst thing in the world. And then you got to do these lunges. I hate lunges. Like, you know, you got to do those lunges, you know, and, and then you got to hold weights. Okay. So when you do that for the first couple times, you feel like you're going to die. Like this is the worst thing in the world. But then after you do it a few times, like maybe a month or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I just did 30 lunges and my legs don't kill me. I don't feel like I'm going to pass out. I've been walking on the trail. Of 20. I can go another five minutes. Okay, you guys get that? It's called endurance. Say endurance. Sometimes the reason we have to go through things is so we can build endurance. Because of the thing that you're praying for, you've got to have endurance to be able to go to the next level. So quit complaining. Okay? We're good, right? Feel like a mom, like saying, okay, quit your wine, take the garbage out, and just be happy. Right? Do what you got to do. Do what you're told. Obey. It's all great. And then change your out. You ever, how many here are parents? You ever tell your, your kids, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. You know, change your, change your tone. You better not. Yeah. I never did that. I'm kidding. I might have done it once or twice. Eh. Maybe not. <clears throat> Don't talk to Bobby or Brandon afterwards. All right. Here's another one for you. I love this. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, where is the Spirit of the Lord? What, what did I just say earlier? Where does the Spirit of God live? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So guess what? If he's in you, you're free. What? Then why do we live like we're not free? Is that his fault or yours? Yours. Look at that. You know, God gets a whole bunch of blame for a whole bunch of things that he hasn't done. He's already set you free. Because the spirit of the living God lives inside of you. So if you're doing something that is not in the word of God that you shouldn't be doing, it's not a part of you and you should just stop doing it. Yes. If you're having problems doing it on your own, we have small groups, which is amazing. Get in one of those. Get a hold of a guy. Get a hold of a girl and say, you know what? I know that God has set me free, but I'm still struggling in this area. I need someone to partner with me to help me stay free. Yes. It's my job to stay free. Okay, that was free. You guys got another thing free. Okay, you guys ready? Verse 18. I love this. So all of us have had that veil removed. Thank you, Jesus. The veil is removed and we can see. And not only can we see, listen, but we reflect the glory of the Lord. Not only can we see the glory of the Lord, but our job is to reflect his glory. Isn't that amazing? And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Jesus as we are changed into his glorious image. That's the purpose right there. Cowbell time. Ding, 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 ding. Hallelujah. You are changed into his image to reflect him to a world who needs hope. Who is your hope? President? Nobody. There's not one president in the entire world will ever be whoever was will ever be your hope. Zip. I don't care how amazing they were. Nana. Say nada. Nada. Good Spanish there, Esteban? Perfect. My perfect Spanish. Nada. Got to remember to get the tongue to the end of the, right? See? Okay. Nobody will ever be hope but Jesus. So our job is that while we're in the fire, while we're in the whatever, we change our perspective and we say, I'm going to have an encounter in the fire. I'm going to have an encounter going through, say through, the wilderness. I'm going to, I'm going to have, sometimes my mouth gets a little bit. Every situation that you go through is an opportunity to find a measure of God's presence there that you didn't experience before. So thank him for the trials. Thank him for the circumstances that you're going through. Because in those, if you look for it, you will find him there. He promises that. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But sometimes he stands there. We're too busy focused on the thing that we miss the one thing that you were created for. That yearning inside of you, that thing that you're searching for can never be found in anything 
but in Jesus. Oh, that's so good. And we become like the one we behold. You will become like whatever you are beholding. Isn't that scary? Hang around somebody for a little bit and you'll know exactly what they have been beholding or who they have been beholding. Youch. Amy, I have you play. I'm almost done, guys. You guys good? Ah, oh, yeah. I was thinking about pizza or something, but we're not hungry because we ate Thanksgiving on Thursday. I love leftovers, though. See, our purpose is this, is to be to the world who Jesus was to the world. I think, we, I think the church sometimes misses it. I think sometimes we become so focused on a movement. We become so focused on revival. We become so focused on something happening that he's, God is saying, hey guys, why don't you just make something happen? If the Spirit of God lives inside of me, I think that's kind of revival. I think when the church understands who she is and what we have in us, who is in us, who we are, who he is, what he's given us, that's revival in the cup right there. Right? So why don't we as a church change our perspective and quit giving power to the things? See, the, a giant or opposition only has the power that we give it. According to the word of God, it's got no power. Say no power. It has no authority. Say no authority. But it only has what we give it. So if you've got something in your life that has power, it's time that you take it back. Because the only one that should have power is you. Over it. Bam. End of story. I should be a therapist. Uh, we'll leave that to Wendy. She's better at it. You guys get it? When we understand, oh, see, Satan's biggest fear is that you will understand exactly who you are because he's toast when we get it. Because when he tries to sling those, those giants of doubt, those giants of fear, those giants are, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? The world is going to you know, Hades in a handbasket, and we're just, you know, you know, I hate life, I hate this, I hate that. Sound like a pterodactyl. When I, when I get it, and I start living like the Word tells me I can live, then it, He is, I get to enjoy my life. So when finances get hard, what does the word say about finances? He says that I will supply not just some of your needs, but all of your needs. Not according to the, the money that you make, but according to his riches. What? So it doesn't even matter how much money you make. Because the Bible says that it's according to his riches, 
So if you're struggling in your finances, then you need to stand on the word of God. You need to plaster that baby on your forehead and say, God, I thank you and I stand on this word that you're not gonna supply just a little bit, but you're gonna supply all of my needs according to your bank account, not according to mine. Now, if you're not working, you should go to work. Do what you gotta do, right? But that's a promise from God Almighty. Isn't that amazing? If you're struggling in any area, I can stand on this because it's true. Even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I don't have to fear. Two reasons. Because I'm going through and he's with me. And then he says this, now I'm going to set up a table in front of your enemies. I'm not going to take away your enemies, but I'm going to put a table there. Turkey, ham, stuffing. Sound familiar? And you're going to eat and Satan has to watch you because he can't touch you. What does that mean? Satan gets to watch you enjoy your life because you understand that I have the authority and have everything that I need inside of me to not give in or focus on the opposition or the giants because I can keep my focus on him and behold him. Oh, Jesus, come on. That's enough to make somebody shout. One person shouted. Why don't you guys stand up? I'm here to empower you guys tonight. I want to empower you. I don't want to encourage you. I want to empower you. I want to give you the understanding, help you understand. I want to just like, you ever get somebody where you're like, you just want to shake it and go, listen, Linda, Linda, listen. You guys see that little guy, that little, Linda, Linda. Go look it up. It's so cute. Linda, Linda. I want, because you are victorious. Listen, you will continue in the same boat if you don't change your perspective. It's up to you. You can live miserable. And Satan's like, chop, chop. I don't have to worry about that person because they're miserable. I'm going to go over here to the person who's happy. Try to make them miserable. <laughs> right? Listen, you being miserable is your fault, nobody else's fault. It's not your wife's fault, it's not your husband's fault, it's not your chihuahua's fault, it's not the weather's fault, it's not the government's fault, it's your fault. Because if you are a born-again believer and you love Jesus, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you see who is inside of you. So you can take a hold of that and start walking in the authority and the power that he gives you. Everybody, am I on? I'm still, I'm off. Am I still there? Oh, I'm there. Okay. I just, didn't I click off? Oh, I did it? Oh. I heard myself click off. Guess it's time to go. Are you guys good? You, you've got the power. You've got the power. You've got the power. Just got to get, you know, down south, you know, if I was down south, 
we'd have our hankies out. We've got the power. We've got the power. But we're not, so I'm not going to do that. You ever been to a church down south? They're pretty feisty. Like, man, I ain't kidding you. You know what they use for offering buckets in some churches? You want to know? A big garbage can. 35-gallon garbage can up front. Two of them. Yeah. I know, it's weird. We use Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets. <laughs> Painted them black. Because <laughs> Bob likes chicken, so we thought, well, let's give them <laughs> chicken buckets, you know? And they're better than the velvet bags. I don't know, I always didn't like those. It doesn't matter. What was I talking about? That's why I have a chihuahua. You know? Because squirrel, and they're gone. You've got the power. That's right. You're, listen, you're not defeated. One of the lies of the enemy is saying that you're defeated, that you're never going to make it, that you're too small. You're never going to see the promises that God gave you. You're never going to see your family change. You're never going to see your finances change. You're never going to see anything. If you give him any attention, he'll take it. And he'll keep lying to you. We kick him in the face and we tell him what's up. You say, I got the power. I got the power. Start singing to him. You're victorious and everything that he said, he will do. I love that. I think it was Bobby Connor that said this. He says, God is not a politician. He will not lie. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. You can hold him to that and he will do it. Amen. I don't care what the need is. I don't care how bad it looks. There is nothing too difficult and too hard for your God. Quit calling him somebody else's God and call him yours. That's what made David so angry. He's like, why are you allowing them, this Philistine, to talk about your God? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this bride, your bride that is here tonight and watching online. I thank you that they're coming into their identity. They're coming into the understanding of who they are, that they're going to come into alignment and they're going to rise up. They're going to arise and they're going to shine. They're going to change their position and they're going to start standing up in all that you've called them to be. They're going to come into their authority. They're going to come into their identity. They're going to come into the power, God, that you have given them. They're going to understand who has made their residence inside, that you live inside of them, not only in them, but on them and through them. God, I thank you, Lord, for the perception shift right now in Jesus' name, that they no longer will look at the fire as being fire, but they're going to look for an encounter with you. God, they're not going to look at their wilderness as being depressive, but they're going to look for your presence in the wilderness, that they're going to walk on the waves. They, they carry your glory. God, I thank you for a shift. I thank you for the shift that is happening in the church that the church is coming into the fullness of what you have died for. 
Holy Spirit, I thank you. And we give you permission to come and to move and to do inside of us what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the season that we're in. And we love you and we honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. And the church, the victorious bride, the warrior that you are, the mighty army of the living God, the dry bones that have come to life, the ones that have changed her perspective of who she is, the one that has changed her perspective of your trials and your fire, say amen. All right. Hallelujah. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.